Hello everyone. A very good evening to one and all. Today we're going to have a very special entrepreneur joining us for our interactive podcast. So we are waiting for Kushal to join us. Hey Kushal. Hey good Kushal. Evening. Good evening. How are you? Very good Kushal. Very Can good. Can you hear me okay? Loud and clear. Perfect. Great. So to all the listeners, oh we also got Shashank Singh. So Kushal Shashank is the founder, the brain behind uh backstage and he's your neighbor out there in US. He's also stay based out of New Jersey. Hey Shashank, so nice to meet you. Hey Kushal, nice to meet you too. great so to all the listeners so welcome welcome to our very own startup show and i am rushab mehta tuning in from team backstage so kushal is an you know is, is what do i say about him i mean he has so many things he is the man who seen it all so briefly if i would to say that apart from the professional journey he is also going to touch based on the spirituality angle what has led to his life so he is a serial entrepreneur a first time author and a former wall street professional He currently runs Elements Truffles, an artisanal chocolate company focused on social impact. He started his career at Goldman Sachs in New York City after graduating from Carnegie Mellon University. Surviving the 9/11 attacks got him started down the path of an eventful entrepreneurial journey, comprising both failures and successes. So he's the man who's seen it all. Kushal, glad to have you on Backstage today. Thank you, thank you for a very generous introduction. So, so I mean, the reason why I often say this, Kushal, I mean, you've done everything. I mean, you've chased an American dream. You had a successful, uh, you know, uh, stint at the Wall Street, then became an entrepreneur. Plus, you had seen death from very close quarters, so to speak. So, I mean, and I've read read your book as well. It's an awesome book where you've highlighted in you know very simple way. So, to begin with, Kushal, would be great if you could share your journey over the years. How did it all start? right from making it big with the american dream oh well i mean i think my journey started when i came here uh, to this to us um and after graduating i somehow uh, accidentally ended up on wall street you know i was i was planning to get a tech job because that was my dream to have a tech startup and so i wanted to go to silicon valley uh, but this was early 2000 you know and then there was i was getting so many offers from silicon valley that it was scary they were offering insane amount of stock options and equity awards and and i was like something is off here like i know what i know and if something like this is happening i don't know if this is for me because this was a height of tech boom like everything was just booming like crazy and people were just being picked up so i still remember i made this choice to go to new york and go to wall street whereas every single person from my graduating class went to silicon valley 
um, and it was it was a very uh, very difficult decision at that time for me to make but it was just something that my heart said i wanted to pursue and when i ended up there you know in about 4 months perhaps everything became very clear when the dot com boom collapsed um, you know and, and it was very clear that i had luckily uh, somehow or accidentally made a made the right choice and then my career started from there you know uh, wall street is such a high alpha such a high octane environment where success begets success and you know, i i i started working on a trading desk as a quant to to create models that traders would use to trade um so it was a a tech job um as in I, my job was to to code these models but the i had to know a lot of math and applied finance behind it to be able to deliver these models and to to work with the traders uh, and it's a very unforgiving environment you know even the 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 there is a very low tolerance for error um, zero error of margin if you would say um but somehow you know i in that high stressful environment i thrived and i loved it and that kind of continued my my journey further um i i don't know how long you want me to go on my journey but this was pretty much the start of of my career working on a trading desk on on wall street and looking at people who had really made it big you know those the, my my vp my mds the partners there they were really successful people who would you know i mean you know how wall street culture is abundance is is just something that that doesn't even stand apart you know in in that environment so some of the things that i learned about american dream were just even after coming there that oh wow this is also in the uh, is also in the realm of possibilities that that you could even achieve this or you can even strive for that and and there began the the rat race you know it's such an environment where with that awareness which of course i had none at that point you get completely sucked into it you know you just completely mm-hmm. get consumed by it that where your days merged into night and and weeks merged into months and when you wake up and look back like 3 4 5 years of your life have just gone by that so it was that fast an environment that got me started and you continued uh, uh, all all through you excelled as well i mean you you chose uh, the field in spite of not going to silicon valley but you but you uh, chose this and you excelled pretty well i mean if i'm not wrong you became the vice president as well yes i was um i i truth be told i will, i like numbers um you know i i'm a, i'm from gujarat so business is in my family numbers and all that is in you know in my blood so i was um it, it was something that came naturally to me you know i didn't have i i didn't struggle per se to that and it's a very meritocratic environment where if you produce numbers for the firm the firm will reward you right away you know so that way us is that but in general wall street is even more of that where you know your work speaks louder than anything else you know whether you have communication skills or not whether you nothing really matters if you can produce numbers you will keep moving higher so that was you know i that was one of my my strengths early on that i identified and and another thing that i i could do well was i could i could communicate or i could kind of bring multiple parties together what happened in this something that i learned also in a 
longer, you know, over a period of time is in that environment, it's like every man for himself. It's a very, you know, very doggy dog type of environment where people don't communicate, people keep things to themselves. And not knowingly, I would just share things with people. I'll, I'll just open up my things with people. I would, you know, whatever I knew, I would open up and I would create teams around me where everybody would do that, started doing that. So in, in there was a, we, we created kind of a beautiful culture of collaboration and, and teamwork, which was also rewarded and, and seen in a positive um, positive way. So all these things kind of kept me going forward and I was really loving it, what I was doing. At the end of the day, that's what that, matters, right? You, you, you do something with all your heart, with all the passion, completely loving what you do and, and results, you don't chase the results, like results follow you at that point. True, true. So, Kushal, while I was going through the book as well, I mean, you mentioned that you do just live by the day, right? I mean, you had the whole uh, thing in your mind that how is your day going to be? And it was completely choco-block. So, but but then you also had a narrow escape during 9-11. So, can you share those instances? And also, you made a point there that when a security staff suggested to stay back in the uh, North Tower, if I'm not wrong, but you somehow just ran. So how was the instance and what is it that went through in your mind and how was that if you can just explain to all of us here because you've seen this from very close quarters. Yeah, so on one of these mornings on 9-11 on my way to work I was in the north tower of World Trade Center when the, when the plane hit, the first plane hit and it was one of those events that you you kind of only see in the movies you know, in some of these things where there's, there's just complete chaos around you. People are running around. There's nobody knows what has ha- what just happened or what is about to happen. I still remember some people, you know, one guy just talking on the phone loudly saying, there's a bomb that has gone off. And that was creating so much panic around people, you know, in, the, in, that, in that space. And nobody knew really what had just transpired. And it, some people were going back to their desks. Some people are going back to the, the train station where... I had just come back, come up from the subway station. I decided to go away from the building. So I decided to step out. And there was a security person who said, you know, stay inside, don't go outside because it's very unsafe outside. What, what had happened is if that plane had hit all these, you know, little cement chips and glass splinters and a little bit of, um, you know, little embers of fire, they were all coming down from the sky as if it was as constantly raining. And it was a gray hmm. haze outside. So it was... Naturally, it would be unsafe to go outside, but then he said, no, no, just just go inwards and go to the core of the building. If you work in the building, go to your desk. We'll make further announcements. And I somehow didn't, I didn't know what to do. I, I hesitated. I, I stood there whether I should listen to him because something was telling me I should go out. In that moment, I found a voice from behind who just said, just go, you know, don't listen to this guy, just go. And I just somehow, there was so much conviction in that voice. I listened to that voice and I just stepped out. And, you know, sometimes in life you make that, that switch, that, that one decision kind of changes the course of your life. So for me, yeah. this, that moment turned out to be as such. Where I listened to that, that guy from behind and I just stepped out. And whatever happened afterwards, it completely shifted the course of my life forever. And then, then uh, you saw the whole tower tumbling down after you came out. Yeah, I, I came out. I was looking at the 
uh, the tower from the bottom. I didn't know what had just happened. There was a huge hole in the <laughs> on the side of the building and the facade, and now it was clear that the plane had, uh, you know, hit the building, which of course made no sense. But I was still looking at it, processing it all. In that moment, another plane from the left corner of my eye just came in and pierced the south tower, the other building, other World Trade Center tower. And at that point, it was clear that, wow, this is something um, deliberate. You know, there's, there's a motive here. No knows what, is it, what it is, but something off. there's something off here. And so in that moment, I started really moving away from the building. And as I'm walking back, I, I hear this rumble. And I look back, and there's this, this whole building is coming down. The, the North Tower is collapsing, um, creating this cloud of dust and smoke, which is chasing and kind of gulfing everything that's coming in its way um, as it, it goes down the narrow pathways of lower Manhattan. So yeah, I, if I close my eyes, it's, it's still very vivid and clear how, how I was like literally running away from that, that building and as it was falling down. So, so what psychological impact did it have, have on you? I mean, how did you, because witnessing this in front of your eyes, what impact did it leave with you? Well, I mean, truth be told, it created a very interesting set of mixed feelings in my head. You know, on one side, I felt, you know, thank God I'm saved. I I was feeling very grateful, kind of feeling, you know, but on the other side, I was also feeling, how did this whole thing happen? So on one side, I'm like, okay, I now have a new lease life. I need to do something with my life. All these things, all these American dream that I was, I'm here to achieve and this <clears throat> progress that I'm here to make, money that I want to make, cars that I want to buy, I should go after it even harder, even more. Yeah? So that was one part of the feeling. On the other side of my head was saying, but what's the point of it? You know, you've been working 60, 70, mm. 80 hour weeks, but look, the life is so fragile. It could all these things that you're planning and working towards could be over in one second. If you had listened to that guy and gone in, this, this whole movie would have been over, the end. So what's the, what's the point of this whole rat race or this blind chase that I'm after? Is that really all to life? You know? Because see, coming from India, you know, there's a, there's a very strong path that we have carved for ourselves. That is, I had carved for myself. That I, beca I become an engineer, I get my master's degree, I, I go and, and, and work at the top firm. Um, that entrepreneurial dream was not really sewn in my head at that point. So I, I thought I would just work for some firm. I'll retire as a, as a someone in a, uh, you know, hopefully a very senior person in that, in that position, you know, make money and, and kind of have a comfortable life. That was, that was kind of the goal with which I had come to the country. Right. And now I, I began mm -hmm. questioning that. Is that the purpose? Is that, is it all, is it all to life? Is there more to life than just, you know, making money, running after these things, achieving that? Is that, could it be, could there be something else? So there was this interesting, you know, tug of war in my, in my head. It's like, you know, you press the accelerator and brake in the, on a car at the same time, right? You, on one side, you want to go after everything. On the other side, you're like, 
am. But what's the point? So that hmm. created that 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 void inside me. What to do next? You know, I don't know how to what to do here. I, I really struggle to to find a way of which one to let go. Should I let go of the brakes or should I let go of the the gas pedal? I didn't know which one to let go of. Hmm. But but uh, Kushal, I mean, uh, you mentioned you were in a void, and in, even in the book you mentioned that after this uh, incident, you were in a state of turmoil for, for many many hmm. years. And how are you managing your professional life then? Because I mean, so, so as you mentioned, right, Wall Street—it's a very demanding job. So, how did you manage that aspect? So I, you know, it's like city of Mumbai, right? If anything happens, mm. you're supposed to suck it up and put on a brave face and expect to continue with life, right? New York is no different. You know, you something like this. Mm. it forces you to be very resilient you say oh we are we are new yorkers we we don't get faced by these things you know we life doesn't stop with these things you have to move on so i i was kind of forced to subscribe to that that thinking that oh yeah these things happen i have to move on so on part of me you know i i put on a brave face and and kind of brushed it under the carpet and said all right nothing happened let's let's go continue so on one side i was doing that but i was feel because of this feeling that i did not want to visit i started there was this footing here in my head in my in my heart so to get rid of that i i started distracting myself i started traveling around i started doing crazy adventurous things every time i would do something come back then i would next time i would do something even more adventurous even something with even more rush adrenaline rush just to find that that juice find that fulfillment right but then i would come back and say no mm. but it's the same thing and i'm i'm back to the same feeling okay next time do something even crazier and i go back do that it didn't help so this process took a few years about 3 4 years i even that i even thought okay maybe this whole wall street thing is you know it's not for me i should start my my own thing you know i should you know go for a startup so one of my 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 boss at that time was leaving goldman sachs to to start a uh, a fund uh, and i said you know he asked me if i wanted to join and i said i jumped in and that fund had nothing just two people i i still remember wall street journal wrote about that thing it said two people and a laptop have started a company you know from from this thing and i was the, i was the first employee i was the third person so it it just felt on one on rationally thinking i gave up a very promising career on wall street to to do this just in search of some thrill search of something you no know, i have to do something cool i have to do something really meaningful to to get out of this funk but so it, but it, when i look back it was this part of the same exercise of wanting to find some meaning wanting to find some joy in it but i didn't know what so i tried chasing this and that and this and that everything under the sun so was this your way to get out of the rat race i that, that's the only way i knew uh, i i thought i thought this is what will get me out of the rat race but truth be told it entrenched me even further deep into it now i i thought yeah this is mm. this is my way to 
not that with that intention to get out of the rat race, but intention to kind of take it to another level. That, okay, this is nine to five is a, another rat race. Now I want to kind of up my game and, and play in the, in the, play on the table where the stakes are higher, you know? And so, so I, I did that because I'm like, I really wanted to do crazy things to, to, you know, because sometimes when you feel something in there and you can't go to that place, you avoid that place. Where do you go? You go to some place which completely distracts you. You start by watching television. You that doesn't fulfill you. You go to a bar. If that doesn't fulfill you, you do something else. That doesn't you do. You you keep increasing the volume to the point where the noise outside becomes so loud that it that you can avoid the noise inside. And so quick on that is like uh, you were doing fairly successfully good in your career in a uh, large bank. Uh, that was kind of a dream job, dream uh, place to be for a lot of people. and uh, But there was something which was still not satisfying you. You were not satisfied and uh, there was hunger there for something else. Yeah, I was I was working on, on the top bank at that time. Uh, I, I was working the most prestigious group. I had just made vice president in the shortest possible time that one had achieved there. So, so I was told, okay, I didn't know. Um, but I was I was rising very fast on, in that group. But somehow I felt this is not it. I had to do something bigger and better. So, so Kushal, so, maybe since you were also possibly wanting the thrill, you mentioned you traveled the world over, and that was not enough. So you thought of getting into this startup kind of a thing, a fund uh, with only two people out there. So in order to avoid uh, or to to get more thrill out of it, but then. Uh, still, so you were all searching for peace externally, and what made you look internal then? <laughs> Frankly, it was, yeah. You know, I mean, I I started reading that point because I was trying to do everything. So I had already started reading up, you know, some. Yeah, I, I I grew up here. I grew up in India, right? So we have. I I my father used to read a lot of. Uh, a lot of spiritual stuff. He used to bring all these um, books from Osho centers. So I started reading all that. I started going to, there's a Vivekananda center here in Manhattan. I, I started going there. You know, I started doing different things, but everything was just, a, how should I say? It became like a, an intellectual exercise. It was like, oh yeah, this sounds great. You know, sounds amazing. But it was just not going deep inside. It was just remaining at the surface level. It was just a, so I kind of lost interest in that also. So what happened is one one day a friend of mine told me that hey, there's this uh, spiritual teacher guru is coming to New York, and why don't you come see him with me? I'm going there. Why don't we go together? And I was like, I completely laughed at him. I'm like, I'm not into all these gurus and stuff. You know, please count me out. You know, this is not for me. But you know funny sequence of events, Some, somehow I ended up there. I just bought a ticket to get him off my shoulders, but somehow I ended up there. And that day, for the first time in my life, and I really meditated, I experienced that state of mind without thoughts. You know, I had read about all these things, mind without mind, and the Zen and the Buddhist people talk about this notion, the no mind. 
had read about all that keeping your mind in the present moment don't think of future don't think of past i had read about all that and i had very strong intellectual understanding of it but never before had it turned or morphed into a real tangible experience so in the first time when i meditated when i experienced that 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 quietness the calm that's what i said perhaps this is it perhaps this could have the answer to what i'm looking for but it was still i was still not sold that time they invited me to do another workshop i was like no no i i i'm you know it's it's too quick for the first date you know just just take it easy on me I, let me let me do some more research so i actually started doing some research around it see now there's so much more awareness about meditation and breath work and there are so many apps out there with billions of dollars of valuation there's just tremendous amount of awareness influencers are talking about it all around early 2000 none of this was there you know there's 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 no iphone of course there are no mm. apps there's there's no blogs there are no influencers there's nothing out there so i when people said meditation it was in my mind i thought it was something you do when you retire it's it's a concept in my mind it's anti ambition anti progress when you have nothing else to do when you're done with your life when you all the responsibilities are met when you are relaxing in a in a in a chair with your grandchildren playing around you that's when you go meditate this was the concept i had in my head and so i always kind of i i went for this intellectual stuff about reading books and all that but when it came to sitting and meditating i thought no you know i i always thought to do that you have to give up everything all the aims and desires that i have give up all that and go to himalaya and meditate no so i don't want to do that so but when i when i experience for the first time i realized oh there's something in it here and then I, when i started looking at the research uh, about this it all came together because i really question is it just placebo did i fall asleep or is there something in it or or is it just some voodoo out there you know but when i actually saw the scientific research which which i was trained to think over so many years on wall street not to take anything on face value but validate everything through black and white data when i started looking at data when everything started coming together i kept going deeper into it think looking for that experience that looking more and more for that that peace that i was experiencing inside wow so so kushal uh, you talk about the breathing technique so what is sky all about yeah so sky for, is for a, as is well. a abbreviation for sudarshan kriya um, it's just a very simple breathwork technique see perhaps it's very obvious now but it wasn't obvious to me then that our mind and our breath are connected you know every anything you feel in your mind let's say you are anxious there is a certain rhythm of your breath if you are angry then angry person breathes certainly if you are sad you know you have a longer exhalation so the mind usually has all these emotions that leads and the breath follows but what i learned first is reverse is also true that when you learn to modulate your breath in a certain way your mind continues mindful your mind follows so sudarshan kriya is just a rhythmic breathing technique that 
puts your mind in a state in a state of flow see you know that my experience with meditation was it was very difficult you close your eyes and all these thoughts come up all these checklists and to dos and this and that and all these priorities and all this that to come up it's so difficult to 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 not think of something right but yeah so that i struggled with that Absolutely. the first time i did this sky practice i did not have to put any attention on resisting anything or or forcing anything away or concentrating on something i just had to breathe and it took my mind to a state where it was meditation so i did not have to put an effort to meditate so my first thing was what sky gave me was a very effortless technique to meditate without doing anything i one thing that we learned in you know in in, in my career is find and if there are two ways to get somewhere find an easy way out choose the path of least resistance so for me this was the perfect thing it gave me a, mm. a, a really low bar a really easy way to get somewhere and so so that i i, I continued with it having learned i'd done so many different modalities of breath and so much in the past but this this technique stuck with me wow that that's pretty fascinating kushal because generally what you mentioned right i mean it happens with all the newbies uh, and and you know people often feel that either they go off to sleep or they are unable to control their thoughts so do they even uh, or how do they yeah, even start meditation? controlling you know, is when, effort when not right? anything let's say so you think, want to do a control something which means you yeah. put an effort to control that thing and the language of our physical yeah. body is effort like you want to grow muscles you want to put effort but the language of mind is exactly opposite you put an effort it doesn't listen to you the mind is effortlessness and and this yeah. is what i learned you know i i actually stumbled upon it not that i was looking for it or i was chasing it i it just landed in my lap mm so uh, kushal what is sahaj mantra if you can briefly talk about that as well because you you in the book you often stress on the sky yeah, so sky as well as sahaj um, is a is a sahaj means effortless right so and and there's a meditation technique called sahaj samadhi samadhi mm-hmm. means equanimous state sama is equanimous and and dhi is a root word for buddhi in sanskrit right the the, the intellect so one that puts your your entire mm. existence entire being in a in a equanimous state is sahaj samadhi and it it follows a very very curious very mysterious uh modality you know that i had never understood but i was really fascinated the first time i heard is that you know what happens is when when you do your sky breath and you go into meditation and so what happens sometimes uh, a, a thought comes up right and then you feel ah it it's ruined everything you know it just mm. I, i was i was enjoying i was so peaceful I, i was loving this and then that thought comes up and says oh no why did this thought come up but of course you can't control your thought so in this sahaj samadhi meditation you're given a, a mantra mantra is like a sound and what this mantra does when you when you enunciate it in the you don't bring it to the sphere of expression you just say it in your mind you know you just take it in your mind and it 
cuts the flow of thoughts you know what you know what typically happens is one thought mm. is okay if it comes and goes but a, a thought comes it brings along with it a, a, a crowd of other thoughts and when those thoughts keep circling around in our head mm. they become worry right so what mantra does actually there's a beautiful saying in sanskrit yeah. it says manana trahite iti mantra what one that breaks the thought breaks the flow of thoughts is the mantra so this since you asked about this mantra is just a innocent little sound that breaks the flow of pattern flow pattern of thoughts and when that breaks you again go sink into meditation so it's just a it's just a meditation technique mm. for beginners you just you close your eyes just sit for 5 minutes and take a mantra and then you you experience going deeper into meditation without effort without resisting something without concentrating on concentrating on something this mantra just does the job it's magical no oh absolutely because because even when i was reading your book it was as if the book is talking to me and and i could imagine the situations that possibly you were also uh, you went through those at those very moments so uh, briefly uh, kushal if i were to ask you if you can reflect on your journey uh, and your encounters with shri ravi shankar uh-huh. if you can just reflect on your journey at art of living sure um, and your encounters I with shri ravi shankar it has come around a, you know a full circle frankly you know it, it it has come a long way i was very very reluctant as i said earlier um i really never believed in in having a guru or anything like that uh, i grew up in a very religious you know background religious household and i thought that was that was it you know that was my calling but i never i never thought i could let somebody like a a living person tell me what to do so i resisted this whole guru concept for a long time except the first time when i saw uh, saw him in new york and then i meditated and then i learned more and more and then i realized you know i there's something here that i want to i want to follow i want to i want to learn more about it uh, but again i was very guarded huh? i was not going to give in to say i'm a i'm a follower or anything like that i was very very guarded uh, you know until until i met him and mm. you know sometimes have you experienced this uh, rushab sometimes you know you meet someone and you've not even exchange a word but their vibrations talk louder than their words you know sometimes you're in front of them and you feel like i want to get out of this room right away or you know so with with shishi i felt mm. something like like completely opposite when i i was in his presence for the first time i clearly remember yeah, the mind just settled down mind quieting down and it was this, there was some nice you know coherence inside and i'm like hmm this is like the same feeling as meditation like this this something in it and he has he has a quirky sense of humor he he sometimes laughs on his own jokes you know there's something about him that i find i i found like okay you know is a is a is a guy i want to learn more from and he definitely had questions and i i mentioned that in in my book also some of the questions that i had answers to but what in in last 15 years of of having 
you know, seen him work, having seen the impact that he creates, uh, you know, observed him from very close quarters. One thing I realized is that he's a, he's just a, a very friendly person who really doesn't want anything from you. And I really appreciated that a lot because in this world, that kind of relationship is few and far between. Right? That where all the relationships that I've had in mm. my professional life or to great extent, even in personal life, have been very transactional. That I do this for you because you do that for me. But what I learned from Shrishi yeah. is that it did not it need not be that way, and that's what he that behavior was something he modeled for me, and not once, twice, again and again. You know, sometimes you when you see something like that, you feel, oh no, this is not right. I want to test this person, and then you put a situation around him, and and then you you get proven wrong, and you know so. Again and again, again and again, I I, I realized mm. that no, it's not like he's interested in in what I have, but he's genuinely interested in in my growth. He's genuinely interested in not just me, but everyone around me, you know, perform at their full potential. And I I always wonder like, what is his agenda? Why does he want to have this following? Mm. Like, you know, all this all these thoughts I had in my mind going in. But as I got closer to him, I realized that he really doesn't care. He's really comes from the space of giving, and that that really, I really um, connected with that. That something where all my life before that it was just everything up for me. I wanted, I want this, I want that. It's for me, 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 my family, my parents, my my wife, my. But here, this was a breath of fresh air. Somebody was said, okay. Could there be something else in life other than doing just for me? Could you do something for for someone, something else, someone else? Mm. And it was a very, uh, you know, it was a very pleasant feeling to to even to even consider that, which was not in my awareness earlier. So, Kushal, so so when you when you, when you say this, so just a thought that comes to my mind. because uh, you know these things uh, are beyond control right i mean and you just one thing led to the other and you went into it so just wanted to understand on your professional side again if i were to talk about you decided to leave us came back to india and you know again that was a well paying job and then again went back so what made you uh, do these changes and what was going through it because on one side you were you were meditating and you were, you were devouring peace after a long long time that you tra- you know traveled world over but now suddenly you were changing gears into multiple uh, yeah, so what on the profession side at that point so what was you know, happening I, there i really uh, i found i experienced this kind of a safety net you know like you know how there's that trapeze in the circus they jump up and down up you know in the high up there but there's a net beneath them you know i kind of that meditation connecting with myself became that safety net for me so what's the worst that can happen let me let me do what i really want to do so i'd i'd been in in us for about 10 little over 10 years at that point and you know everybody who goes there ask any of us immigrants who settle in us 
is one thing in their head is they want to come back to their country. You know, whether it's the grass greener on the other side, whether it's wanting to be with their parents. I really wanted to be with my parents. So I thought, okay, I've done enough. I can continue this in perpetuity if I want, but let me just do something, something different. So I, I found a really, uh, you know, responsible role um, in, again, in the financial services in Mumbai. Um, with the firm BlackRock, which is the world's largest asset manager, um, to to head their to to work on their income operations in in India, and I said, you know, it's great. It's our, it's my own country. If I could, you know, break the ceiling in this country, you know, scaling up in that other my my own home would be even easier. So I came and started working. I actually loved it. I was enjoying life here, but unfortunately. My wife's health took a, a, a nosedive and she, she contracted some um, really rare form of respiratory uh, ailment. So, to, to, so that of forced us to mm. move out of Mumbai and, and to an extent that she, had, she came back to US for some treatments. I mean, well, long story short, it, it pushed, her, pushed our, you know, our whole life back to US. So then I came back and I, I said, you know what? Okay, enough of this working for others, Wall Street. Anyways, now the life is getting reset. I'm, I've just hit a reboot button unwantedly or wantedly. I'm now going to go and do a startup, a tech startup. It's something I've always wanted to do. Um, but I'd never had the, because the, the comfort of that high paying Wall mm -hmm. Street job was so good that I did not have the courage to leave that and do it. Do this. But now that anyways, things were getting reset, I was like, you know what? If I don't do it now, perhaps I'll leave with a regret. So let me just, let me, instead of going back to another finance job, let me just start something of my own. And, and that's when my entrepreneurial career began. So, so you also mentioned, uh, Kushal, on this because you went back due to whatever reasons, right? But, but it was like, starting all the war again, you were back to square one, right? It's like when you were, had gone to US for the very first time. So in spite of everything, you started, wanted to start up on your own. And you also mentioned in the book that it failed. So if you can talk about yeah, that so journey, it felt like about you were your coming first back startup, for, for, how did it fail? Know, for a, from, to do a fresh start, right? Because it, it had some, it evoked similar emotions. Like I, I did not have a job here when I came back. You know, of course, I mean, if I, I could always go back to my previous employer, but I, I, did, I had not mm. started that. I was, I was really contemplating what I really wanted to do. But it, it really felt like we were making a fresh start. So that was, that was the, um, you know, that was I was referring to, that it felt like we were coming. It just was a redo of the 10 years ago when we had come for the first time, or 15 years ago when we had come for the first time. So my friend and I, we, we started... Um, a tech startup, uh, you know, we, we were, we were at that time, uh, it was a, a startup that focused on, uh, this is the time when, when Facebook and all these, you know, social media were, were really proliferating. And one of my, my biggest problem was that, you know, I'm a very private person and I, I would not put my stuff on, on social media out there. So I thought that there was a room for, a platform where people can 
share their content in smaller groups. Um, and this uh, Google had this similar thing, which had which had, was barely starting at that point. And Facebook did not have a function of groups at that point. So we thought we would create a social media network based on just on, on groups where people can be who they are in their private groups. So I can be who I am with my family. I can be who I am with my friends at work, different, different sharing. And we thought there was a very clear need for it, um, but we were proven wrong. And despite of being a TechCrunch finalist, um, the startup just failed in, in about a period of four or five months. Um, and at that point, I had the thought of whether I should go back to corporate or you know, double down. And so I said, my same co-founder that we were working together, he said, you know what, let's pivot this idea and create something. Um, we, we pivoted to a, slight, a different idea using the same tech stack, but we, we pivoted to a, uh, an app discovery platform because the, 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 again, the app store was booming at that time, but we didn't realize, I mean, one, one thing was that there was no way to find apps. There was no real way to discover apps. So we created an app discovery platform and it was mm. the, the discovery platform created this recommendations based on, based on deep learning, uh, based on figuring out your own interest graph and, and showing you the app that you like. And then we realized that, you know, it, it need not be just limited to apps. You can use it for any type of content to recommend you songs, to recommend you, um, you know, some articles, blogs, uh, blog articles, whatever. So basically it became um, one of the very first uh, machine learning based sort of content recommendation platform. Um, oh, wow. That's interesting because we already have one, uh, Kushal. Our sister concern, Flix. Oh. Sister app, Flix. So we, we created that back in the day. You know, we started with so. the app, but there was again, <laughs> there was a, a little bit of hiccup there also, right? Because we created an app discovery platform, but then how do you find an app that will help you find more apps, right? So we realized that we actually hadn't really solved the problem because our app was still, it still was an object of being found. So that function was not solved. So we had to take this, this infrastructure outside the app store. Um, and, and of course this app was doing well and it was, it was more it, what we started as a B2C app, but it ended up becoming a B2B2C app. And it created a lot of um, uh, synergies with, you know, with ad networks and, and, and more, more of an agencies who were trying to rather than do a spray and pray approach where they show like random banner ads to people now showing more relevant ads to people. So we started from an app discovery platform. We kept pivoting, pivoting, pivoting until we found the right market fit for this platform, um, which, which ended up becoming a, a content distribution platform. Yeah, wow. so so this uh, and you this also had startup a was successful exit in your second startup, um, and how was acquired by Airpush, which in at that time mm -hmm. was the second largest um, ad network after Google uh, for for Android devices, um, and they acquired us, and we became their content recommendation 
sort of engine um, yeah, for for at, at one point of time we were touching one in every four Android devices in the world. Um, so that that was it was in like it, that network had tremendous amount of reach. So that was a it, it felt like this was the right way to um, you know even though we were giving up control we would have achieved the maximum amount of impact in a short amount of time. Wow, awesome. <laughs> and how did you turn chocolate here then? And that to Ayurvedic chocolate. So before so, I open, you open know, the floor, After that, in fact, <laughs> because uh, this I've heard for the I first time. I started on the fund that, you know, uh, it was called, a, it was a prop trading fund that I started where I would, you know, um, I would get, I actually started because I saw that there's tremendous opportunity in US and there's tremendous intelligence and talent in India, but that talent did not have a way to, you know, cross the borders all the time. You know, there was either because of the communication issues or because of the just immigration, limited immigration opportunities that did not happen. So what we did was we created a trading platform where I would go and, and come to India, recruit people from the best schools and colleges and teach them how to trade online using, um, you know, some of these algorithms and, and, uh, and techniques that we have developed over a period of time. And that also got acquired with a, merged with another bigger trading company that's run out of Canada and Chicago here. And after that was done, I was really cooling down my heels and said, you know, I, I really need to now slow down and do something that that's different and something I wanted to do with my wife. My wife was also a trader at Golden Sachs and she was also feeling some sort of burnout. And it's like, you know what, let's do something that gives us purpose and, and so something we're really passionate about. And we, may, we started making a list of things and two things that kept coming up. One was chocolates, something that we're really passionate about. And second was meditation. So we said, all right, is there something we can create at the intersection of these two things that can also create an impact? So then this element truffles, our chocolate company was born, something we really wanted to do together as a, it started as a little hobby, like a little passion project, which then very quickly grew into, as, as we saw the demand increase, it grew into a, a real company. Um, and, you know, there was just a recent survey from a reputed survey called Pure Wow in US. Um, and our chocolates were ranked second in, in the US in, in terms of, you know, all the different parameters they rank, they give the people a rank. So it's been a, it's been a really something we wanted to do because we really passionate wow. about, we really wanted to, uh, you know, follow our, our calling, but also wanted to create an impact. So we work directly with the farmers. They are, in our previous explorations, we had found that you know, all this, there's a lot of child labor, there's a lot of unethical practices involved in this whole supply chain of, of, of creating you know, all these agricultural products that come to US. And so when we visited Ecuador and when we were working with, directly with the farmers, we then, we cut out all the middlemen. We now work directly with the farmers, import their cacao beans to US directly. Uh, and we make the products here, we sell, and then 25% of our profits go towards educating 
children, underprivileged children in India um, through this through this Care for Children project. So it kind of created this entire wow. ecosystem of um, you know mindfulness, holistic wellness, and social impact. And and this is something we want to we want to do more and more of. We are still a, a baby company. We are still you know we it's a small company, but it, I tell you one thing, Rusha. Nothing has given me more joy than than waking up in the morning and and going to a chocolate kitchen and and doing things that I do. I, I often I joke with my my wife that at one point in time in my life my stress used to be, you know, change in the interest rate curve because of the unemployment data, which then throws off the stochastic calculus equations, you know, that that have been written. And now my stress factor is that you know we have made this chocolate, but then you know, UPS truck or FedEx truck has not come to pick it up. You know, so so the the life, the stressors in life have changed completely. Life is a lot more simpler. <laughs> life is a lot more fun. Stress is sweeter. Your stress has become sweeter. <laughs> wow. I live between Jersey City and Manhattan, New York City and Jersey. Oh, <laughs> anytime, okay. please. Oh, cool, cool. <laughs> oh, wow. you know we've we actually set up our. So, our how do we buy buy in India? Here, last December, and then the COVID came, and it kind of threw a, a spanner in the works. So we have not been able to scale up. Or, or do much about it, um, and then I had some, you know, and then this book happened, and and a few things happened in between, um, but um, but yeah, we want to we want to definitely bring it to India and and create it here. Wow, waiting for the day. So, Kushal, quickly before you leave, there are there are certain questions that uh, people have also asked in the chat box, and I could also request some of them to come onto the speaker panel to ask questions. So, while people come join in, there is a question from Anshika, and she's asking, well, "How has been your experience in entrepreneurship?" Or what you know, entrepreneurship you, uh, what has taught entrepreneurship me a lot of you? things, but one or two things that I really carry with me today is I feel that entrepreneurship is is the game of losing. You, know, you have to lose your, your fear of something that is unknown. You have to lose that sense of control. We, as entrepreneurs, we are so attached to our product, so attached to perfection. We're so attached to our product that we want to perfect before shipping. All these things that I learned that you have to lose all of these, lose that chatter in your head. You know, there, you, there's a voice inside all of us that says, no, you are meant to do this. But then there are also so many other voices also that are going on. So entrepreneurship is about losing all these other voices, you know, ignoring those other voices till the real voice becomes so hard to ignore. You know that this is the only voice out there. And connecting with yourself, going deeper with yourself helps you get there. So that was one of the, my biggest lessons. That it's it's a game of losing. You have to lose all these things, and the one who loses the most actually wins. And you know. And then another thing I learned is about research. 
you know wow that's awesome that was something i was very reliant on from the beginning which is you know market research my wall street training made me think about market research all the time that based on the research you take the next step but what i realized on entrepreneurship is that research is useless because research only tells you what has been out there so relying on research to to validate your idea or to decide what you need to do next is like looking in your rear view mirror to drive the car so if i had looked at research to if i i had looked at the research or relied on research to to start the chocolate company <laughs> that's a good one i would have probably never started because i would say oh there is cadbury's and there is hershey's and there is hue and there are all these chocolates here there is it's so crowded i don't need to do it i'll never be able to sell a bar but i did not look at the research we just heard our own voice and followed it and then you create there's always somebody waiting yeah. for your product somewhere you create the need for your product and somebody's out there looking for it wow so extremely good Thank reply <laughs> yeah even anshi guys reply she liked your response think uh, so i think mukta uh, who's also part of backstage she looks up at our content and she's put in question in the chat box just asking can an entrepreneur quiet in his mind his mind and, you know and how that, that quiet in is that is the whole um how should i say that's the secret sauce of being an, a successful entrepreneur i would say you know that life is so fast and as an entrepreneur it's even faster because we are running at 100 kilometers per hour in six different directions doing everything from smallest thing in your startup to the facing the investors where is the time to quiet in your mind there is no time we think oh i have to take care of this and when i'm free then i'll go and do something to quiet in your mind but what i learned is that for an arrow to move forward you have to pull it back a bit right so just taking that time just taking that 10 minutes mm. out of your day and a right technique quieting your mind without a technique did not work for me it created an aversion actually it actually i arrived on a invalid conclusion that this is not for me but when i had the right technique you know it i realized that yeah it's possible to do it even in 10 minutes so with the right technique and having that intention that no no i want to invest in this because it's long term that game will pay off in short term you meditate a day or two you say oh but it's not really i feel the same it is not really working but if you meditate for let's say 2 weeks or 3 weeks i i promise you you cannot say the same i promise you you cannot say that oh nothing has changed the way you respond to situation the way you make decisions under pressure the way your intuition improves it's so important for us entrepreneurs to be intuitive because we don't get multiple chances at one often times you only get one shot and you have to make one decision from so many outcomes possible outcomes right so it's important that you hit it right in the first go and when when does that happen 
effectively is when your intuition is sharper. When the mind quietens down, the intuition also improves. You have to take that time, that 10 minutes out of the day to connect with yourself, pull that arrow back, go deep within, and then let go of that arrow and then enjoy the world. Wow. Hi. Through, please take, take a question. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, sir. Uh, so first of all, I really appreciate your session. And I really felt as if you were, you know, directly speaking to me. And we all. So, sir, what I think is that being an entrepreneur is never mm. easy. And the challenges faced by uh, young entrepreneurs are very immense. And because of these things, you know, a lot of budding entrepreneurs, they lose their heart at a very initial stage of their journey due to this. And the biggest, you know, obstacle um, that is faced uh, uh, for starting a new business venture is funding. So, sir, can you please, you know, just uh, let us I know, don't know how me, to raise but funding I cannot hear when you. you are doing some sort of startup. Because finding interested investors and... Oh, is it? Uh, I, I think uh, I could hear you. I can too, hear you. Uh, I heard the part uh, question, that, that entrepreneur, the so, challenge is funding. I hope uh, you can hear me, right? So, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. How to go out raising so he, funds? He basically see, wanted to know you how bring to up go a good about question, right? See, I don't want to, you know, give any um, any perception that entrepreneurship is easy, like how you said, right? It is difficult, and and. Everybody's path is very, very unique and different. You know, there is not one formula that apply that apply to all of us, right? My circumstances are different from yours. My personal finances, my relationship status, my age is very different from you. So everybody has a very unique circumstance and you have to navigate your way out of this. And of course, one of the biggest things that stares us in our, uh, our face is the financial challenge where how do you create something which doesn't burn out all your savings so i would give this answer in in slightly roundabout way by the first the mistake i made is that when i uh, i created we, we had this hubble this startup which eventually got acquired but it acquired it got acquired one month Sorry, Kushal, I think I lost you. Or is it me? No, I lost him too. Kushal, can you press the reset button? Hello? Yeah, yeah, I, I can hear you. Okay. Sorry, yeah. it, just, it just blanked out on me. The whole screen blanked out on me. Yeah, so, go ahead. So that was a that was a foolish thing to do for, on our side, where we 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 kept waiting for funding. Our VCs strung us along, said, you know, unless you do this and we'll give you funding, you do that and we'll give you funding. In that, we even quit our roadmap and did something that our VCs wanted to do. A very reputed VC, you know, uh, 
I'm not going to take their names, but it's one of the top VCs in the country. But in that, we lost control of our product. We lost confidence in ourselves. We started doing things that they wanted to do. And we completely lost all our savings. And it was, if we did not get acquired in one month, we, we would have been shut down. They were the second st- fa- failed startup. So fail, uh, financial challenge is, is, a, is absolutely real problem that, that you must not ignore. And how do you go about raising funds? You know, whether you can, depending on how much conviction you have in your product, you can start with friends and family. If you move that round, perhaps go to some angels. Um, but what I would say is go to them with, with an MVP. Go to them with a product that has some traction. Don't go to them with just a, just a little, uh, you know, a PowerPoint presentation and, and show them potential. I would say the mistake I made in my prior life is I we went to them without traction, without revenues coming in and said, listen, this is the next best thing. This is going to revolutionize the content recommendation, the way the, it's doing. But here, we don't have any revenues, but this is, go, this, this is a strong promise. And it did not work for us. But now when we have actual revenues coming in, VCs are, are knocking our doors. So your the response from the fund, funding community to you would be very different depending on where you are in the game. I'm not telling you anything that you don't know, but from my experience, all I can say is create a product, ship your product, no matter how imperfect it is, ship a product, have it garner some small traction, and then take it as a proof of concept to, the, to your funding, your VCs or angels or whoever, and say, make it a, a proposal that they, they cannot, they feel like they'll be left out if they don't invest in it. It's like a revenue generating machine. Create some, there. create some some traction. Whether it's whatever is whatever is your KPI. Whether it's you know whether it's number of downloads. Whether it's consumption of your content. Whether it's revenues. Create some promise that yeah, th- th- there is something in here that is investable. If you just go to them with a with designs or with you know a deck it's very easy for them to turn it around, uh, turn it down and say, I'm sorry, I don't understand. I'm sorry. There's a lot of other solutions like this. I don't know how you're different from them, which is, which is something we all hear from VCs all the time. Isn't it? Absolutely. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, great. Kushal. I think one hour has passed since we started. And I think uh, it, it went so quick. I didn't even realize I would say, and I had asked for a time, one hour of your time. So I think I'll just like to thank you, uh, you know, for, for taking our time and speaking to our students. And I also look forward to having your chocolates here in India. <laughs> Absolutely. It'd be my honor. It'd be an honor to, to bring them here and uh, would love for you to try out. Um, in the meantime, if you, if you get a chance, pick up the book on a wing and a prayer. I talk about this and a lot more in, in the book. Oh, Rachna has shared the uh, link as well, where, where people can go through it. Awesome. Awesome. And keep in touch, you know, keep in touch. Um, I, I'm Now I'm fairly active on, on Instagram. Um, so cool. send, send me a message. If, if there's anything I can help you with, you know, be in touch. 
Thank you. Bye. Thank you everyone. Thank you Kushal. Thank you.